Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm Angela Donatio, and each week I share compelling conversations with leading voices. They encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together we'll make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Welcome back to a new season of the Make Life Matter podcast, and I am so honored about my very first guest for this season. Today, I'm sitting down with Brad Minns to talk about the new movie, Never Give Up. This is his true story of how 20-year-old Brad Minns did the impossible in the men's single tennis finals in the 1985 Deaf World Games. The match serves as a framework for the story of this inspirational man who became deaf at age three and rose to the height of his sport, thanks to God helping him to never give up. September, this very month, is Deaf Awareness Month. It's my honor to welcome Brad to the Make Life Matter podcast. Brad, I'm so honored to have you here today. Thank you, Angela. Thank you for having me, and I'm excited to be a part of the show today. Well, you became deaf at age three after a high fever, and your parents made some very crucial decisions. So take us back to those choices and how that shaped your life. Yes, the movie describes this thing very well. When I lost my hearing at three years old, and my mother and dad had to make a decision. They put me in deaf school where I would learn how to sign as my form of communication. Or do they put me in the hearing schools where I would have to use a speech therapist and learn how to lip read? My mother and dad decided I was going to learn how to lip read and speak orally. So I went to all hearing schools growing up. And um, so that's, uh, that's basically how the whole thing got started. Now, was that challenging at times? Do you think that that was the best decision? I I just wonder what that was like for you. We see some scenes in the movie that there were some difficult moments. Yes, yes. It was for me looking back now. It was the right decision because uh, even though it was hard and there was a lot of um, struggles, adversity of dealing with teachers, students, and uh, just a bunch of obstacles. Mm-hmm. But those obstacles and those challenges shaped who I am today, and it really helps to have. Uh, loving, understanding parents that really believe in you because I, I leaned on their belief in me because I didn't believe in myself. I didn't want to leave the house. I wanted to stay home because I was afraid of uh, all the failures and the challenges that each day uh, came with. But every morning I remember in my bed sleeping and I would watch the digital clock and I knew that in a few minutes I would have to get up and go to school and face those challenges day after day. And every morning my mother would come in and said, just flipping the lights on, she gave me a nice gentle kiss on the cheek. And so that was the best part of the morning, getting up and, uh, you know, going to school. But my dad, my mom were very strong people. My dad was an early riser and I always knew he was up, but I could smell his cologne from the other room. Mm-hmm. And he, he set a great example. Both my mom and dad set great examples of what it means to be uh, disciplined and hardworking and uh, strong. So dad was always the first one at work and the last one to leave. And mom was always, uh, you know, very organized and uh, executive-like. 
So growing up in a, a house like that really helped me to overcome uh, the difficulties that I faced in school, being the only deaf person in an all-hearing school. Mm. What an encouragement to parents that you're offering when parents feel like we don't know what we should do if our kids are afraid or maybe they're having a difficult situation. I loved how they modeled not only discipline, but belief in you. And many of us, even after COVID, struggled to feel comfortable going back out. There's so many people who can resonate with those emotions. Maybe they're facing adversity. And so I just... I just want to thank you for your perseverance. That's such an example to so many of us and to your parents. And in, and what point did you realize that you loved playing tennis? Oh, that didn't come until later on. My mother loved tennis and she introduced me to the game because that was her favorite sport. And so she thought that tennis would be a great way for me to, um, socialize with hearing people and deal with, uh, you know, different adversities, uh, learning how to play a new sport. Um, I was not good at first. I was the worst one on the court. Everybody else on the court was getting the ball over the net, except for me. And I said, I don't want to play this anymore. I was failing every day on the court. But the support from my mother, dad, and brother really helped. They, they wouldn't let me quit. They wouldn't let me give up. They kept pushing me, even though uh, I, I would say I was lazy. I didn't want to leave the house. I, was, I wanted to stay in my comfort zone. But, you know, when you get out of your comfort zone and you deal with stuff, you grow and you get stronger. And so it wasn't until I was probably 13 years old when I was walking through the mall with my mother that I saw this book at the bookstore. And uh, there was a, a book called The Education of a Bodybuilder. It was by Arnold Schwarzenegger. And this guy on the cover had muscles and confidence, all the stuff that I didn't have that I needed. And so I asked my mom to buy me the book, and I was immediately um, inspired to start lifting weights. And so I worked out in the basement where my brother had some weights, and I would lift every day. I would learn how to uh, set goals, create a vision for my future, and uh, work hard towards those goals. So that book really inspired me. My self-confidence started growing, and I would start starting to win tennis matches. And later on, I played number one singles for my high school. I was the, uh, and then I got a scholarship at the University of Toledo. And it was at Toledo University, my tennis coach showed me a newspaper clipping advertising tryouts for the rural games for the deaf. I never met a deaf person up until that point. And so I thought, wow, there is such a thing as deaf tennis. So my dad and I tried out for the team at Dallas University, and the language barrier was totally different. It was our first experience in deaf culture. Mm-hmm. We were speaking, they were signing, so nobody, nobody understood each other. But I made the team, and the match, the rural games for the deaf were in Los Angeles that year, and the tennis uh, event was held at Pepperdine University in Malibu. And so the movie, Never Give Up, is based on this tennis match that I played at Malibu in 1985, and I made it to the finals. I'm playing the defending champion from Texas. 
And he had to win three out of five sets to win the medal match. And so he won the first set. He won the second set. He's winning 5-0, 40 love in the third set. Now that's as far now as you can get in a tennis match. Mm. And so the movie flashes back and forth of uh, what it's like growing up deaf in a hearing world while we're battling after this match. But I tried everything I trained to do up until a point where I was losing really bad, except for praying. And so at that moment, I said a three-word prayer. I said, God, help me. Mm. And that's the only way I can explain coming back from two sets, five, oh, four, love in the match and winning the gold medal five hours later. I, you know, credit that prayer and the, you know, the Lord and uh, helping me to win that match. But it wasn't until years later that I started a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and met the mm. Lord at the gym. So that's basically the movie is about that match and growing up deaf and how important family is and uh, giving someone like me who's deaf and needs extra help, <laughs> a lot of extra help to get through all those challenges. Wow, Brad, what an amazing story. It's a powerful movie. Never give up. Congratulations on Maybe. having your story made into a movie. Some of you might be wondering how we're communicating. Brad is reading my lips. And you mentioned, I was very struck by something you just said, Brad. You said it wasn't until high school you had never met a single deaf person. So you had a very different way of communicating. They're signing, you're reading lips. So as I hear you say that, it's almost like you are more comfortable in the hearing world because you had not really grown up in a deaf culture. So talk about that just a little bit and what that was like. Yeah, when you're deaf, you eat lips and you're going to all hearing schools. Not everybody, this is way back in the 70s and uh, 60s and the 70s. Oh, yeah, so, and back then they didn't have Google. You couldn't just look up, you know, information on your phone. So the parents had to make tough decisions and just rely on their faith with mm -hmm. their decisions to get through stuff. But being the only deaf person in the school, it's hard. Back in those days, the hearing aids were big. They they were you put them on your chest and then a strap that goes over your, your shoulders, and then the wires come out into your ears, so it's very visible. This is before the day of cell phones and, and radio boxes where you see people with wires going into your ears. This is back when there was no technology, no wires, nothing. I was the only one. God was different. And, you know, kids can be tough. You're different. And they want to be, you know, uh, they tease you a little bit. But uh, when we came to the World Games for the Deaf, um, that was a whole other experience. Um, the people signed, and sometimes they would just walk away because they didn't want, they thought I could hear simply yes. because I speak. So they thought I, I was a, a hearing person. Um, but, you know, I love the hearing people. I love the deaf people. I love everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I just love people. And so the deaf people, but I really relate to the deaf people because I have yeah, similar understanding of what it's like and similar challenges you have to go through in life being uh, without sound. And mm -hmm. uh, so that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book was to reach the deaf. When the, my wife and I were asked to coach the 
Olympic in Bulgaria in 2013. And I wanted to have this book done by them so we could take it with us and pass it out to all the deaf people in Bulgaria. Mm, that's powerful, Brad. I mean, your story is reaching so many people, like you said, the hearing community, the deaf community, anyone can learn and grow and be inspired to overcome their own obstacles through your story. And uh, and I saw the scene where you're not allowed to wear hearing aids while you're playing tennis. Is that correct? Yeah, I didn't wow. know that until I got there. Oh, that's wow. The, that's a practice, actually. And that's another scene in the movie where Jeff Osborne and I are playing a challenge match to make to see who makes the team. And Osborne goes to the coach and he says, Coach, he's wearing his hearing aid. You can't wear your hearing aid in the uh, actual game. So he shouldn't be allowed to wear them in uh, the tryout. So the first time I took my hearing aid out to play tennis, it was a total different sensation. Because with the hearing aid on, I have some sound, but I still have to read lips and use the sounds to come up with a message. It's something I've learned how to do uh, since I was very young. Uh, but when you take your hearing aids out to play tennis, for me, it's complete silence. There's no sound whatsoever. And it's like you're just floating around. It's just, just no sound, no sound. And so it affects your balance. It affects your timing. It affects your uh, concentration. Uh, it affects a lot of things. And so it took a while to get used to playing tennis without sound. And, uh, so, you know, when I got to the little game, I had a little bit of practice from tryouts playing tennis without my hearing aid. And so I was glad, you know, it told uh, I had to take my hearing aid out at tryouts before I got to the actual, uh, rural games. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That was very surprising to me. And some of them thought you could hear, and I'm sure that was challenging. So I, I was just so moved by your story. And I know so many will be, Brad, as they watch this movie right here during Deaf Awareness Month. And I uh, encourage you to see the movie. What do you hope? So, um, yes. Yeah, it was actually a, a, a time when I was playing at uh, Los Angeles or Malibu at the Rules game where I played an Italian guy. And after the match, I put my hearing aid on to do an interview. An Italian looked at me and he saw me with my hearing aid on. And so he said, hey, he's wearing his hearing aid. He can't, he, they were trying to default me, forfeit my match. Mm. And because I had my hearing aid on after the match, they thought I was wearing them the whole match. And so there was a long protest going on. After that match, the, uh, my coach and the committee, they all, you know, resolved the problem. And I got through to the next round. But that was interesting. You know, they're very strict about, you know, how uh, much hearing loss you need to have in order to play in the game because, you know, it's called the Death Olympics after all. Yes, yes, I can understand and that wasn't all you did. You went on beyond playing professional tennis. You worked, you won the body for life. What we know now as the body for life contest, you became their spokesperson. So talk a little bit about what your life has looked like since that tennis match. You're married now. Uh, you're living in Orlando with your wife, Jenny. 
you work as a professional tennis trainer. So speak for FCA, so many things that God has done with your life. Well, after college, I had to look for a job. I had to start pursuing a career. And and uh, it's difficult not being able to hear on the phone. I tried getting, you know, going through the classified ads, looking for jobs. And uh, with the TTY phone, you uh, are using a third-party caller to help you uh, relay the messages. And a lot of times I got hung up on because people thought the relay person was a sales call. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really enjoy doing work with the phone, and I started teaching tennis and this and that. But someone along the way said, Brad, you should be a model. And so I thought, hmm, I love working out, and uh, people thought I could be a model, and I didn't think I could at first. But I got some pictures taken, and I built up a portfolio, moved to Miami for a while, did some runway, uh, print work, commercials, and, and stuff like that. But uh, there was a contest in 1995 or so. It was called um, the Physique Augmentation System. And it was a supplement company offering an endorsement contract, a core event, and a meeting with Donald Schwarzenegger, all in one. And I thought, wow, that's cool. I had actually written these goals down on a piece of paper many years before. And it was like all these goals were presented themselves right in front of me in this one contest. So I signed up. And uh, I trained harder than I've ever trained in my life. I put on 21 pounds of muscle, took some pictures, sent them in, and I got called back saying that I had just won. I was the second spokesperson to win the uh, $50,000 endorsement contract at Black Corvette in a meeting with all. And that was like one of the highlights of my bodybuilding career, modeling career. And I thought to myself, you know, this is everything I've always dreamed of. And, but uh, it was at that time of uh, the beginning of my walk, my faith walk, because I, I met a Christian at the gym, and he was telling me I needed to read the Bible, mm-hmm. I needed to go to church. Now, when I was younger, my parents took me to church, but the Bible says faith comes by hearing. You know, so if I, if you don't have any hearing, then how can you hear the word? I mean, how can the word work if you don't hear it or if you don't see it? Um, so my goal was just to stay awake for an hour while we were at church, and I really never got anything out of it. They didn't have captioning on the screens and things like that back in those days. So it was uh, after that contest, that bodybuilding contest, I meet a guy at the gym, and he told me to read my Bible. But I didn't understand it. It was just foreign to me. I didn't really have a desire to read it. And uh, basically, I was lost, and I didn't even know it. I was on the wide road, and uh, because I felt comfortable doing what everybody else was doing. But this guy was different, and uh, he started pointing in the right direction by wearing T-shirts with scriptures from the Bible. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so I'd be working out with him, reading his scriptures, and, you know, the Bible, the word of God is alive, it's active, it's sharper than a double-edged sword. And so it's starting to go to work <laughs> in my heart, in my spirit, in my mind. And uh, I didn't understand what was happening, but, you know, it was flesh and spirit that war for my soul at that time. The word of God was getting in, and I thought I was using my mind. And I said to my friend one day after we worked out, I uh, just want a contest. All these great things happening outside. I want some money. I got some recognition. 
why am I feeling like my self-confidence is gone? I feel like I'm, I'm uh, just overwhelmed and stressed and full of anxiety. The Bible was showing me that I was a guilty sinner on my way to hell. And I didn't realize that because I was basically laying my good works against everybody else and thinking I'm okay and uh, I'm a pretty nice guy. But our good works are like filthy rags compared to the righteousness and holiness of Jesus Christ. And so that day, I'm standing with my Christian friend, and the Spirit of God, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit was so strong. And I said to my friend, what's wrong with me? I think I'm losing my mind. And he didn't say anything. He just turned around, and there's a scripture from the Bible on the back of his shirt from Revelation that says, Behold, I stand at your door, and I knock, and if you hear me knocking and open the door, I'll come in and dine with you and you with me. And ever since you're born into this world, God is knocking on the door of our heart. But we don't listen. We just go and we just do this and do that. But God wants to come into our life and be the Lord of our life so he can bless us in ways that are unimaginable. And so I said, I knew that God was, you know, speaking to me through that scripture that day. And my friend said, Brad, are you ready to turn your life over to Jesus Christ and make him the Lord of your life? I said, yes because I don't know what else to do. I was trying all these worldly uh, things that I thought would satisfy the flesh, and uh, they're very short-lived. They don't satisfy long-term. We need Jesus. Only Jesus can satisfy that deep longing in our heart. That big, He can only fill that big hole in our heart. Mm. And uh, I said to him, what do I have to do? And he said, well, let's go in my car. We go into his car, and he put his hand on my shoulder, and... Uh, he said, pray with me. I repeated a prayer. Uh, I prayed, Lord, you know, uh, I'm sorry. I've sinned. I've messed up. I'm guilty. Uh, I broke all your laws, all your Ten Commandments. I broke them all. And uh, I apologized. You know, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And I invited Jesus into my heart when I made him the Lord of my life that day. And I'm crying and crying and crying while I'm praying. But when I finished my prayer and crying, it was like I just finished taking a nice shower. The mm -hmm. Bible says I got born again. All that sin, all that guilt, all that anxiety, all that stress, all that worry, all that fear, all that bad stuff gone. Jesus took it upon himself on the cross when he died for us and he died for you and everybody. All we have to do is receive it by faith and believe it's a gift. It's something that you can't earn. We're saved by grace and not by works, lest anyone should boast. We're saved by what he did, nothing that we can do. And that's great news because yeah, he did it all. He did all the heavy lifting. Now we can enjoy life and uh, you know, do you know, great things for his kingdom glory. And uh that was the beginning after that prayer, after I invited Jesus into my heart, and I go home to my apartment and I opened up the Bible. Couldn't put it down. I just had a new hunger, a desire to know him and to read the word with a passion. And so I spent a year in my apartment reading the Bible, getting to know Christ. And I was getting checked from that bodybuilding contest. So I, I pretty much just stayed in the room and I walked around the property getting to know the Lord. Um, but I learned that, you know, that personal relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important relationship anybody can have. It's not just something you pray and then you go to church once a week. It's a daily meditation, it's a daily walk. 
And uh, so all those things I learned as a bodybuilding tennis coach, the, the daily dedication, the grind, and uh, I applied all that to my walk with Jesus by putting God first and being disciplined enough to open up the Bible and, and just thank him every day and listen to him and have a, a hot, passionate relationship with the Lord. And uh, you do that every day, not just when you feel like it, but it's like being married. A marriage takes work. It takes, you know, you got to stay hot and passionate for each other by, uh, you know, having a relationship, listening, talking, praying together and stuff like that. And so that's uh, been my passion a long time. That's why I wrote a book to share with people what God has done in my life. And I pray that after you wrote the book, that God would use this book to do the same thing that he did in my life to whoever reads it. And uh, so that's, uh, I can go on all day, but I don't want to take up. <laughs> that, was, that was so powerful. That was so powerful. Thank you for sharing your testimony and to hear you say as a bodybuilder, God did all the heavy lifting. Jesus did the heavy lifting. All we have to do is receive it by faith. I was so impacted by you saying, if faith comes by hearing and I can't hear it, I'm sitting in church, but I'm not receiving anything um, that yeah. I, I just, I'm just, and, and to think about the provision of God to provide for you through that money that you won to be able to spend a year just getting to know him. We serve such a good and loving God and Brad, and he's, I know that he's not only pleased with what you are doing through your life and your story, but just serving him faithfully. We can have everything the world could give us, but if we don't have Jesus, we don't have anything. But if we even have trials and tribulations in this life, but we have Jesus, then we have everything that we need. So I'm just so honored and blessed to hear your story. What do you hope that people take away from seeing this film and reading your book? Well, with the movie, um, the hope is, you know, I asked my wife one day, we were taking a class or something, going over, you know, the gifts. And everybody has a gift. God gives us all gifts. And I said to my wife, Jenny, what's my gift? She said, Brad, you have a gift of encouragement. Oh, okay. And so I want to use that gift. I don't want to waste the gift. And this movie is a gift of encouragement. It's a gift to give people hope, give people encouragement that no matter what the score is on the tennis court, if you're down or in life, if you're down, and I was down really far on that match, but I prayed that prayer and I just kept doing what I was trained to do. And God, you know, helped me to overcome that uh, deficit and the score and come back. So we want people to be encouraged. We want people to see how important family is in, uh, in uh, a person's life. If you have kids, you know, the family unit is very important. It has to be strong. And it's not easy. And you don't give up on each other. You don't give up on your family. You can persevere and you trust God through the trials and tribulations and stay together and you overcome those obstacles. Because if you do it together, you'll look back and you'll praise God and you'll love each other more because you're a team. And uh, my mom and dad were a great team. We want parents to be a great team. Not, you know, to each other and to the Lord and especially to their kids because kids today need a strong foundation of family. They need their parents to love them and to show them how they're supposed to 
live their life. The Bible says, train up a child in the way they should go so they don't depart from it when they grow older. There's too many kids today that don't have that. Don't have that. And so, you know, we just have to trust God and pray that uh, we can strengthen marriages and families, you know, so kids will be blessed mm. by dialogue. <laughs> Thank you so, so much, Brad. And we want to encourage our listeners to watch the movie, never give up, read this story, gift it to someone in your life. I promise you, you'll be encouraged as he's saying through this story, Brad, you are making your life matter for the kingdom. And uh, it just, it, you exude the love of Christ, even just through this Zoom. I can just feel the love that you have for the Lord and the love that you have for other people. You could have been bitter in life. You could have been angry in life, but you've chosen to live a life that's honoring to the Lord and it's leading others to Christ. And that's a life that matters for the kingdom. So we're so, so grateful. We want to encourage everyone to go watch the movie and read the book. Brad, I would love if you would pray over our listeners as we close our time together today. Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we love you so much and we're so grateful for the podcast that we can communicate with more people and reach more people for your kingdom. I pray that you would shower everybody listening right now with your love, your presence, your truth, your joy. Amen. And I pray that you would help families not to give up on each other. And give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Brad. Your heart and passion for people is incredibly inspiring. More inspiring even than your story and what you've done with tennis and what you've done in life is the heart, the burden that you carry for families. And that what you've been through is now becoming the platform that God is using to, to heal others. And I just pray that people feel not only encouraged through your story, but there's healing that takes place in the lives of families because of your story. So we thank you. We bless you and your wife. We bless the work that God has called you to do. And uh, guys go out, watch the movie, never give up churches. You can get a screening of it, Brad, how can they find out more about you and get a copy and, and see this movie. If you go to nevergiveupfilm.com, you'll, you'll see uh, the website there, and you can put your zip code in to find out where the movie is showing. And so that's our website, nevergiveupfilm.com. Nevergiveupfilm.com. I'll put that in my show notes. This is my very first episode of this season so what a way to launch it off, Brad. We're so grateful. God, continue to bless you, your family, and the work that you're doing. Thank you so much, Angela. God bless you. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at angeladenadio.com. Facebook at Angela Donatio VOV and Instagram at Angela Donatio. Until next week, let's make life matter.